Welcome back to The Catch. My name is Michael Adams. I'm joined today by my co-host, John Rahimi. Hello. Yeah, we're, we're in today, in this in-studio, you know, grinding, <coughs> hustling, grinding, but we're putting in, this is episode number two of the day. Um, it's about 11 a.m. Once we finish this, I, don't, I think John has mass. I'm going to yeah. do something equally productive, fixing, <laughs> to go, fixing to go fishing for a couple hours, hopefully. We'll see. A couple hours? Good gracious. I don't know. Actually... Actually, I think that just got ruined. I think it's like 50 degrees outside today. Is it really? It's really sunny. And that's why I was like, oh, I'm going to go fishing today. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be cold this weekend. Isn't the stupidest thing? Every time it's like really sunny outside, like in the winter especially, you're like, oh, it's beautiful. It's probably nice outside. And you walk out, it's like negative 50. Yes, but also it's May 9th. And so <laughs> in my head, it should just be warm. Like if I see sun and it's in the middle of May, like, come on, make it be 75 degrees. It was 45 here yesterday. It was like, we were outside playing spike ball. I was like, are you, are you kidding me right now? It's 45 degrees. This is stupid. Yeah, I just checked the weather. It's, it's 49 degrees here, so Oof. my dreams are crushed. Super crushed. Yeah. Also, fishing is kind of boring, not going to lie, even though our whole thing is based off of the idea of fishing. Well, if you have bad taste in activities, yeah, it's bad. But <laughs> if you have cultured taste, then you love to fish. I remember going, we went to Colorado and we spent a whole day like in the middle of the week to go fishing because a couple guys, <clears throat> Michael wanted to go fishing and they sat there on this stupid Creek for like two and a half hours and they caught nothing, not a single fish. And it was just like, really, you guys didn't miss the whole time. I'm sitting there reading a book and enjoying the beautiful something like staying there bitter over their lines, not getting any nibbles. Okay. Two things. One, that was still really fun. And Two, very peaceful. <laughs> Three, that's where our good friend Mick Best found out that he got into the seminary. So that very is true. memory. Yeah. And lastly, the girl, there was this fishing guide there, guys. And I'm almost 99% sure she gave us fake directions and sent us to like the worst part of the lake where no fish are. Because she acted like this really great expert local and was like if you go there i guarantee you catch no less than 15 fish in an hour and like john said we didn't catch anything so i think she just played us like a fiddle but oh well yeah she probably really saw we were from out of town and was like oh, i'm totally gonna mess with these people honestly i respect it i would have done the exact same thing in her shoes she just took that money and was like thank you for paying me money to rent these poles and you have a nice day doing nothing <laughs> no exactly you know she got our money she got the last laugh but Still a good time. I still have pictures of that, and I still oh, I still think of that a lot. You know, it was a good memory. Yeah, I just um, I can't. We were talking about that at dinner yesterday too. We had fish, and then I was asking one of the priests here, a vocation director. I was like, "Do you did you go fishing as a kid?" He's like, "Oh yeah, he's from Arcola, Illinois, which is a little bit south and I think west of Champaign, um, but it's middle of nowhere." And he would go with his dad, like to go on a little boat in this you know creek and go fish for catfish or they went bow hunting he told me i was like that's pretty sweet actually like that would be cool there you go now john that's we just have to figure out what you like to do when you fish like we'll find a way to make fishing fun for you thank you you know what uh would be great actually i was we watched the simpsons movie here the other week and there's a scene where homer or bart is remembering when homer took him fishing and he says dad it's not fair to use a bug zapper to catch the fish. He's like, 
son, if you love fishing as much as I do, you want them to die with dignity. And then he just drops the bug zapper into the fish, into the lake and all the fish bubble all up. All the fish pop up. Yeah, no. <laughs> at, at the Adams household, we do not kill the fish, actually. We are, we are a purely catch and release family for the most part. Oh, you're um, so nice. Yeah, we, we only have a fish fry about once every couple of years and we usually don't do it with our own fish we usually do that if we take like a fishing trip somewhere oh but yeah we're just we're just kind-hearted people you know so nice you know central heart of illinois down to earth real great people would be would make my day is if we went fishing and i could relive the scene from the two towers where smeagol goes fishing in the pool and grabs the fish Nope, we're not going there. Okay, <laughs> moving on to the topic. I'm, I'm saving you guys the trouble of listening to John's Schmeagel impersonation. Not because it's bad, just because it'll give you nightmares. Um, something I've had to listen to many, so many, many times. times. Usually right before I fall asleep. Um, but yeah, moving smoothly to the transition of the topic, um, which has no relation to what we just talked about at all uh but talking about the importance of evangelization it's good stuff kind of going off of our some of our first episodes even too uh, i think our very first episode we put out was about friendship in the gospel mm-hmm. um and our i think our our very next one episode two was about the role of the laity in the church mm-hmm. uh, both actually have pretty great uh, direct relations to this topic i think i remember specifically in our very first one with the gospel of we looked at our inside the circle of friends um and we even kind of related to being like being on a boat and looking out and mm-hmm. seeing the people on the shore yeah. um, and the importance of meeting those people on the shore and the importance of going outside of your own circle to actually reach out to these people even if they're not living the same life even if you don't agree with them the importance of still encountering life and living life with them mm-hmm. um and in the role of the lady podcast we kind of talked about how lady have this unique position of being within the secular world and this unique position of being able to live life with people of all these different walks um and just yeah the importance of them to actually be genuine to encounter them to invest in them and to be this example of what the christian faith is um so kind of we're kind of building off those topics uh not all of them are always going to build but i think that's kind of a good place to start there yeah i think um we don't plan these, but it's kind of cool to see when they do kind of come together. I mean, we plan the preparation stuff, but not like the order or how they come in. Anyways, uh, yeah, I think it's just cool to look at like uh, the role we have and the importance of our role in evangelizing. Uh, pope Francis back in 2013, when he became Pope, he put out his first encyclical, I think it was like November, um, and he became Pope in March or April. So pretty quickly, actually. Uh, it's called the joy of the gospel, Evangelii Gaudium, right? So that's a cool uh, word. That's a cool word. Very yeah. Cool word. Um, or the joy of the gospel is his whole message is that the church is a missionary church. We're called to be missionary disciples at focus. Um, like that's our whole role. And whether like, as a lady, as you know, priest, religious, whatever, like the whole church's mission is to be on mission, is to be out there evangelizing people, uh, following Christ's uh, commandment at the end of Matthew, in Matthew 28, about, you know, go make disciples of all nations, all the nations, not just a few of the nations or the nations that I want, all the nations. Yes, thank you, John, for stealing my 
very oh, nice that I was going to make with Matthew 28. <laughs> no, but it's perfect. Yeah. Like I think sometimes we get caught in this trap of, you know, we wonder like, okay, I know evangelizing is important because I'm told it's important, but really why is it important? Like why do, why do I need to do this? Why is it worth my time? Yeah. Okay. Go, that go just reminded it. me of something that was such a good point and such an important point is that, uh, I think we actually might've said that too in one of those other podcasts that were like, you know, just go do it because you know, it's a demand on your life and you're baptized. So you should go do this. It's like, that's, and I I had not read this document prior to podcasting about that. So mea culpa. Uh, But Pope Francis talks about uh, right. Evangelization is not, not to be done from a place of like a sense of obligation or as some burdensome duty, but as a result of a personal like decision, uh, Right, because God made free people, and freedom is a, nece- is a necessity of love. You can't love someone if you're not free. Um, so we shouldn't just go evangelize if we're like, well, Jesus says so, but like I have no desire to do that, um, or just because like we should. Like that's not going to draw people to the gospel. Um, it's got to come from a place of. And he says this: the primary reason for evangelizing is the love of Jesus that we have received. And we talk about all the time you can't get what you don't you haven't, you haven't received, but it's your evangelization or your desire to go out and share it. Um, imagine like if you've ever dated anyone in your life, even if you haven't, if you've ever loved someone in any capacity or found someone just awesome, a good friend, who doesn't want to talk about that person? Like, and share them and be like, this person is so awesome. They told me this thing or they did this thing. Like you want to share them. So it, it's coming from a place of sharing the beloved from the experience that we've had. So not making some experience up for someone else to experience. Um, it's got to be always from a place that it comes from our encounter that's constantly, constantly renewed. It's not just a one-time deal, but over and over and over again. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's that danger of falling into becoming these evangelizing zombies where it's like, oh, oh, I, have yeah. to go, I have to go evangelize because that's like my call and that's my duty and like I'm required to. Jesus demanded it. Vampires. Yeah, no, honestly, it's just it's a dangerous thing to get caught into and you kind of brought up a good point. It actually feeds in perfectly in what I was going to actually say next. So shout out to you again yeah, for that. But um, yeah, this idea of we can't give what we don't first receive. I know this mm-hmm. is something that we talk about a lot. I think it's something that's honestly brought up a lot because it's something that you and I have both experienced very personally and we've both kind of been on both sides of it where mm-hmm. we have overly stretched ourselves and have overly served mm-hmm. and in turns it's been detriment to our own personal faith life at times and we've had to take those step backs and look and be like, okay, I'm not receiving what I need to receive right now. Yeah. What do I need to do to change that? Um, and it actually takes me to this example, this writing of St. Bernard. And he talks about this idea of channels versus reservoirs. Um, mm. And to quote him, um, so channels let the water flow away and don't retain a drop. Reservoirs, on the other hand, are first filled and then without emptying themselves, pour out its overflow, which is ever renewed. Mm. So kind of going on, like, he kind of has this really great line where he says, the church has many channels, but very few reservoirs. Um, this idea of oftentimes I think there's a temptation to just give and give and give. And, you know, in the Christian life, that's kind of the temp- that's kind of the idea that we're told. Like, we're supposed to give of ourselves. We're supposed to lead others. And we're supposed to give our hearts to others. And we're supposed mm-hmm. to bring others into the church. Um, and it's that idea of that channel. Like, we're getting, we're receiving stuff from Christ, but we're not retaining anything from ourselves. Like whatever we receive, we're just giving away to the first person we see because we think that's our duty. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a reservoir, it's the idea of I'm first filled with Christ and I'm filled with that love. 
And kind of like you said, when you, when you truly love someone, you want to share them with everyone else. It's that idea of the reservoir is you're first filled with that love. And then the overflowing outpour of that love is what you give to those around you. But you yeah. can't give until your reservoir is first full. Mm. And you can trust that when you give away the overflow, that your love is so real and that the chant or that the water is so good that your reservoir is immediately filled with whatever you just gave away. Um, yeah. That's, um, that's such a good image. Uh, the, the one that I heard, which is I think similar to it. Water is just a good image, right? Christ gives us the water image in John four with the woman at the well. He says, you know, come drink this water and you'll have eternal life. And the other water you drink is going to make you thirsty over and over again. Um, it's kind of like I, the book that we read was on, it was on liturgy, but it all kind of ties together anyway. It's just this intimate union with Christ first and foremost is his point. But uh, the image he has is this, um, this river of life, which is coming forth from the father and the son and the Holy spirit and allowing that river to then uh, fill up our wellspring in our heart, which is our heart to fill our hearts because Christ says that, like, your wellspring will well open within you. So this, the source of our well or reservoir is this river of life, right? Is this intimate union with the Father and the Son, sharing in that as we do through our baptism. Uh, to live in that and to draw life from it, to draw that water in, to suck it up, and then when it overflows out of the well, it, it's the wellspring, you know, it springs out, and it, it's this beautiful outpouring, um, and it's so good and so, like, uh, vivacious. It's so living that it just keeps flowing back in and filling it back up. If you if you keep drawing from it, you don't take a shovel and throw sand over it to clog the well. Yep, <laughs> that won't be productive for anyone involved. No. Um, but yeah, I think that's one of the big dangers that we find within evangelization. Um, yeah, this podcast isn't just a how to evangelize. We're also going to hit some of those dangers. Um, yeah, because there's not one way to evangelize right like this is another mistake that people make all the time is like or that we ask for is because we're an immediate results-based culture we want to know like what's the most productive way to do this the most efficient way to evangelize someone give me the five steps like i'll do this this and this hit these check marks and they'll be evangelized like that is just not the model we're given by christ it's an accompaniment it's even walking in the wrong direction sometimes like rodomaeus he walks with them away from jerusalem but gets them that, that allows them to go back because he's with them. Um, but like this whole thing of, yeah, if I just do these things, this will evangelize this person. Or um, you know, this these five things are only for men, and this will only evangelize men. And these five things will only evangelize women. Like that doesn't work. <laughs> you have to take person by person, and it's a personal accompaniment with that person. I think Pope Francis calls it like a like taking off your sandals. Um, at the altar of the person. So kind of like that Moses image, but like you're reverencing the person, which is really hard, especially if they're antagonistic towards you or they are annoying or they don't want to listen or whatever. No, exactly. It is. It's just, it's always tough, unfortunately. Um, But kind of what you remind me of there is this idea of, I was reading this book the other day and it was talking about uh, holiness and it was talking about sainthood, especially. It It was saying that, you know, the end goal is always the same, but mm. the path to that is always different, always different. It's like, you know, if you look at any two saints, their road to sainthood and their road to holiness is drastically different. Even if you look at like the most similar of saints, you know, I think there's a lot of comparison between like St. John of the Cross and St. Therese of Lisieux. Like 
a lot of comparison between the two of them. But like when you actually get down to the nitty gritty of it, they are completely, completely different things and completely different people. But oftentimes like their spiritualities, spiritualities are tied together and wrote about together. And so you could look and be like, oh, there's so much similarities when in reality, it's like, no, their path to holiness was infinitely unique and infinitely different. It's the same way with evangelization. The evangelization approach, even if it's your own approach, like I'm Mike Adams, I have this kind of cookie cutter way that I evangelize people mm-hmm. that, that has to change based on the individual. And I know you and I talked about this idea of um, the, the trap of pride within evangelization and kind of almost collecting trophies. And like, oh, I, Michael Adams, you know, I evangelized this person and put them through RCIA and now they are this vivacious, insane Catholic. I've never done that anyone, if you're wondering. Um, <laughs> but there's that temptation to have trophies of like who can evangelize the most far gone person or who can evangelize and create the most like on fire Catholic. And it's just like, that's not the goal. Like you can't evangelize in your own name. Like evangelization has to start with the name of Christ. Yeah. And like the other trap too, with the pride thing, at least I was really convicted of this this week was like, um, as I was preparing podcasts, I was like, what am I going to say? You know, how I was like, no one else will hear this. If I don't say this, I got to have all this stuff. And it's like, dude, think of, I was thinking of this. I had a conversation with, um, our friend, uh, Katie Douglas back in like January. Um, and I was sharing kind of a, a grace that I'd had kind of understand, like, I need to like really kind of renew my relationship with God and focus on him being number one in my life. And she shared kind of the same grace, but they came from two totally different sources. Like mine was from reading this book. It was written by a Jesuit and hers was from, I think retreat on a, with an Opus Dei priest, like two of the most radically different spiritualities, but both coming to the same thing. So this idea that um, if you're, you know, a perfectionist or you struggle with pride a lot, thinking that you're responsible for, if you, if you don't do it, no one else will. Like that's just such garbage because you're putting God in a box and you're like, God can't work through any other means to get this thing across the same message. Like he can, and he will. And it might, they might even say it differently, but it's the same idea, but it's for their heart. He's doing it for them. So for us to know that too, that we're doing it for them and for God, not for our own like pride and, you know, trophy collection. No, exactly. It's, yeah, it's going off the, like Christ has to be at the center of that relationship. And if you truly want to evangelize them, you have to take out that aspect of pride. You have to take out that aspect of this is my project. You know, yeah. I'm going to mold this person into yeah. what I believe they need to be <laughs> instead of just encountering life with them and allowing Christ to actually work through you. Kind of yeah. we, talked about, we talked about this in our last podcast, the scripture podcast about God inspiring um, and working through men, allowing him to work through you and inspire you into those interactions and inspire them actually within your own heart and inspiring them into the faith. Right. You can't do that. If you don't, you can't follow that scripture. If you don't know the scripture, Pope Francis talks about this, like scripture, a, a living relationship um, with the scripture is essential for evangelizing. If you don't know it, what the hell are you evangelizing? What the hell are you proclaiming is basically the point. It's like the whole point of evangelization is to proclaim the gospel, the good news. If you haven't read it, what are you proclaiming to them? nothing and there's also a great example of how to evangelize you know the gospels christ's life <laughs> exactly is a really good uh, example his last three years of ministry if you ever wonder how to evangelize just 
look at him and the disciples. They they did a pretty decent job, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, going off of that, and I know we said that there is no one way to evangelize, but we can kind of summarize some of the key components to sure. evangelization. Yeah. Um, and I have four specific points that I think are greatly important. Um, but again, in these four points, they are done differently by each individual. These aren't like, there is a right way to do each one of these. It has to be discerned. It has to be thought about when you're actually going to the individual. Um, so yeah, my four steps, some of them are kind of combinations of multiple ideas that I kind of think are related. Um, so step one I have is being genuine and leading by example. It, you know, I think that's just the key of any of the human experience. Um, but yeah, being honest, being your true self and allowing them to see the real self that you are. Because I think sometimes as Catholics, especially when we interact with people who are non-Catholics or even people who are just not religious at all, we have this temptation to downplay our own faith and to kind of fit the norm of them and kind of just fit the world. When in reality, that turns them away from the faith. If you truly want to lead this person to Christ, mm-hmm. it has to first start by you authentically being, living out that relationship and leading by example, because I think we've said this before, but their experience of what Christianity is and especially what Catholicism is, is going to be you. It, you might be the only encounter that they have with what the true faith is. And you have the opportunity to actually break the preconceived notions that they have yeah. of what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like being authentic, right, is this, if you're going to be authentic and you've had an encounter, right, because you shouldn't, <laughs> I want to say you shouldn't, but like it probably isn't the best idea to evangelize people or to try that stuff if you haven't had an encounter with God, if you don't, like if that hasn't happened to you. If you can't look at your life and say, um, the encounter that I've had with Christ is different, it, it has made me different. Like what was what I was before is not the same as I am now because of the encounter I have with Christ. If you can't look at your life and see something in there that points to that, keep keep working on that. Keep asking God for that grace because that's it, really it's it's the key to being an authentic person is that you've you're speaking from truth and not just from something you've kind of made up because you think it might be good for them to hear or you've heard it's good for them to hear, um, right? And then um, if you have that kind of authentic personal sense of how did this change my life? It allows you then to look at other people and not just to have this grand sense of I'm evangelizing people. Like, what the hell is that? Like, yeah, God says make disciples of all nations, but nations are made up of individual persons. So you're called to evangelize persons, not just wide swaths of people. Um, so being able to ask that question is important. And then two, like, uh, faithfulness in that faithfulness to the relationship that you have the authentic side of this thing being a genuine person uh mother Teresa says oh what does she say uh jesus did not ask you to be successful he asked you to be faithful so it's not about just getting the numbers in or you know doing whatever it takes to get someone it's not it even though that's how we're driven to think most of the time today it's about being faithful to what god is doing in you right so that interior life and who you are because of that no exactly um and a quick note before we move on just i know we talked about like don't do this unless like you're ready like it's the idea of like a channel versus a reservoir like mm-hmm. don't like you need to first be the reservoir you first need to be filled yeah um but also i just want to note for the fellow perfectionists out there 
don't just sit around and wait for yourself to be perfect. Um, you're always yeah. going to be, you can always look back in your life and be like, well, maybe I'm not ready because I just messed up in this area. Or like, you know what? I really screwed up here. Um, so obviously I'm not ready to share my faith. Uh, that's just not right. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not. Um, you're never going to get to that point where you're like, oh, I'm perfect. And that's a good thing. You're not supposed to get to that point. Yeah. Um, but just first understanding that this, I, this conversion that we talk about, it's a constant conversion. Just first, you just need to fully understand that love and come into union with that love. And then let that overflow of that love within your heart be what is the genuine and be what is that example that you lead into others. Yeah. You want an example of that? Look at Jesus. Like God is perfect. And he entered into our human weakness to evangelize us, to reveal himself to us and to bring us to salvation. Like, yeah, you can to enter into the weakness and to allow those things to be there. It's okay. You don't need to be perfect. Exactly, John. Yeah. So moving on to point number two, step two on our four step guide. Um, yeah, it's very simple. It's just investing in the individual, mm. um, truly going through life with them and walking with them in life. Um, you can't just walk up to a range. Like there's the whole idea of like, hi, do you know our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ? And going door to door. Um, like, okay, maybe that'll work for some of you. Uh, it's never worked for me if I've done that. Yeah. Um, but understanding that you can't evangelize people that you don't know effectively. Like maybe you can in vast groups and very special situations, but day-to-day evangelization isn't going to happen with just these random people that you encounter. Oftentimes it's going to be the people who you're closest to and the people closest to you in life. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you do have a random encounter with this person, you're not just going to convince them in a matter of five minutes to be this newfound, renewed, spiritually lifted Catholic. Like You have to invest in their life. You have to walk with them in life. And you actually, as difficult as it is, you have to walk with them in areas of their life that you don't want to walk with. And that is probably the toughest thing that I struggle with is just understanding that, yes, not everyone you evangelize is going to be your best friend. They're going to do stuff that you don't like, but understanding that you can still show interest and you can still invest in them as a human being and get to know the nitty gritty things, even what you don't like. Because when we look at Christ and like, we're trying to share that love of Christ, Christ does that with us every day. Like he invests and he follows us even through the nitty gritty, even through the ugly, which he definitely does not like. He stands by our side though. And it's that same idea of like, if we're going to effectively show that love to them, we in turn must stand by their side, even through the really ugly, ugly stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just listening to this right now. I'm just, it's challenging. It's so challenging. And we talk about like, uh, you know, if it's not going to be your best friend, I'm listening to this, like, I feel like I'm getting evangelized right now. Like, because even your best friends, like, they're going to do stupid things. Like, Michael and I can both attest, we've both done stupid things in our relationship with, like, one another. And, but that's, like, walking with that person in that thing and uh, putting that relationship first and recognizing, again, our culture sucks this. Everything is about immediacy. Results, getting it done quickly and efficiently. But evangelization is, like, time and just patience. Like there's no one more patient than God. So we're trying to imitate that. And like, I will walk with this person, but it doesn't mean like letting them do whatever they want. You're doing it with intention, right? Intentionality behind it. Um, it's not like just a little self-absorption therapy, but allowing them to move in a good direction. So yeah, it's just so good. It's very challenging just to emphasize that. This is not easy guys, but it's- No, worth it. it's not. But yeah, just last point. God is no more excited about you winning a soul over for him 
whether you did it in a matter of 10 minutes or a matter of 10 years. Amen. Either way, he is equally excited to have that heart. Um, yeah. So don't get caught up in the numbers game. Um, yeah, so step three. And this is probably the easiest step to do, but I think it's oftentimes maybe the most overlooked is taking time to pray for them. Whew. Praying for their conversion, praying for their hearts, and praying that they would actually encounter Christ. Um, I think it's something that we often look at like, how can I physically do this? Like we're a very physical world. Like we like to do things with our hands and like we like to get down to work. It's okay. If I'm not actually working, if I'm not actually talking to them, if I'm not actively within them evangelizing, I'm not doing anything. Um, if I'm not doing it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this idea of just praying for those people and especially those people who we don't have access to really physically evangelize or people who don't yeah, want right. to listen to it. Um, mm-hmm. Still praying that they have that encounter with Christ. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say here. Just take time. And I think one of the great examples I had was uh, my good, 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 good friend, Tanner Gazda. He used to sit me down and we would pray for different men in our lives. And honestly, we would just list them out. We'd list out probably 20 guys. We would take about 10 minutes and we would just sit there and we would pray for them each one by one by name. Um, Not saying you have to do that every day, but taking time to identify those men or those women or just anyone in your life, you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I think that they would benefit from this encounter with Christ or they Christ is lacking their life. And like, I need to help facilitate that encounter just as simply as just taking time and praying for them by name and mm-hmm. offering up time for them to encounter Christ. Yeah, there is, um, Pope Francis said something that was really good about this. I know I can't find it, but that's okay. Um, yeah. Pray for people. It's really good. Easy enough, right? Yeah. All right. And now the last step I have, and guys, I'm sorry if I did miss a couple steps that you think are important. That's okay. Leave us a review, let us know or something. Maybe we'll make another podcast about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the last step, and I think this is the most intimidate, intimidating step for myself and for many of the people that I talk to about this idea, um, because being genuine and leading by example is all good. Investing in them is great. Praying for them, amazing. But ultimately, there has to be accumulation of events where there is an invitation and there's a sharing of your faith with them. Yeah. Um, The thing that I think of um, is we talk about uh, different ways of evangelizing or um, these ways to God. I like to invite someone in and Bishop Barron talks about this all the time. Like there's right. There's the truth, the good, the true, the good and the beautiful, right. These kind of things, like these are different avenues of like uh, ways you could do that, right. To invite someone um, you could kind of take the, the truth Avenue. If there's someone who's very like, they like to think a lot um, that truth really makes sense to them, invite them in that way. Or uh, if goodness, like good values and, um, kind of the good of humanity or the good of God and his generosity, like that could be a way in, but the way of beauty, uh, that one's a little more vague, but I think it's the way to go, honestly, because tons of people, Pope Francis talks about this. Um, Balthazar talks about this. Baron talks about this. Beauty is the way to go because we don't win anyone. Christ didn't win anyone without attraction like attraction was the means. So like this whole thing of like being genuine, 
uh, investing in them. Like it's attractive, not in like a sensual sense, but like you're drawn to that because it's personal and it's, it touches on desires that we have in our very being. So allowing ourselves to really um, go into the, this way of beauty that hits on what is attractive about the faith, like preaching the core of the gospel, not the nitty gritty things that come out of the core, like the kerygma, the basic like Paschal mystery and essential part of the gospel that Christ wrote, like died, rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. Like this is the core of the gospel, not um, the nitty gritty teachings that some people get hung up on. Those flow out of that. Um, but right, I think this, this whole thing is a lot of people who are, are not like atheists or if they could be Catholics, that they know it's good. We know it's good for us. Um, we know it's true. And it makes sense. But the question becomes, will this bring joy to my life? Like, will this fulfill me? Will I feel full? Like it's, uh, we talked about Bernard in the last one or this one. Was it this one? Yeah, this, one. Bernard, this one. This one. Yeah. Uh, he has another thing about loves. There's slavish love, mercenary love and son love. Most of us are mercenaries if we're very honest with ourselves. Some of us actually might just be slaves, like we're in fear of being punished. But the mercenary says like, what do I get out of this? It's not bad, but it's not the fullest, but it's the sense of uh, what am I gonna get? And it's kind of the well, Catholicism like makes me feel good and I like feel like I'm having a better life or a fuller life because of it. It's like the I'm living my best life thing or the most best version of you. Yeah, It's that, you're getting stuck there. Yep. But the way of beauty gets us into this what is beautiful about Christ and it's joyful because Christ is joyful. So like, yeah, he's going to fulfill that. You don't have to worry about not having a fulfilled life or a joyful life, which is, I think is at a lot of people's uh, basis of why they're kind of hesitant to do this, to really live it. Yeah. I think it's a huge roadblock for people. Um, yeah. And just continuing on with that conversation of the ways to do this and the ways to do it with individuals and keeping mm -hmm. that joy in mind. I think I had a conversation with father chase about, I mean, shoot, probably a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I was talking about just frustration with people in my life of like, you know, how can I actually live out the faith? And like, how can I evangelize, evangelize, yeah, evangelize these people in my life when like, they're just doing these things that I just, it's hard for me to actually inject and like actually bring them to the faith. And like, I know that it's not something that they really want to hear at the moment. Yeah. And I think his greatest, one of the greatest things he ever said to me is just, okay, throw out feelers like throw out stories of the saints or like throw out like an invitation to confession or to mass or any one of these things and see what they respond to it's like not everyone's going to respond the same to everything like yeah you have your people who are more intellectually minded who are like mm -hmm. okay mass doesn't really interest interest me as much but when you talk to me about like the history of the church that is like super interesting i could listen to that all day um, or like, oh, the history of the church kind of bores me, but this idea of like joy and generosity and like who God the Father is really intrigues me. Getting to know the individual again and just knowing what speaks into their heart and like we talked about the joy, like what brings them joy, and being able to use those yeah. different things yeah. and bring those into practice and make that invitation and make that sharing based on what brings them joy. That's exactly right. And like with inviting people, it might not be the um, you know, do you want to be baptized like that direct? Um, please don't, be. please don't do that to people like the first day you meet them. Yeah. Don't do that. Good Lord. Many, many days before that. <laughs> um, 
it might be like we might be the ones who have to initiate the invitation by and it might be a subtle one like sharing a grace with them being able to share something that god did in my life that then allows them to share something with you and it becomes they start to draw out of themselves a little bit more and being able to to open up and to see like where is god working in my life oh he is working wow okay like this is a really attractive life versus being like how's your heart what's going on in your life tell me everything like that's really aggressive and it's not going to be uh probably the most conducive way to get people to really experience yeah. the joy of the gospel and like what Jesus is doing in their life and what he could be doing. So provide an example and then invite them that way. Or even if, if they're stubborn, like people don't like to be asked, I found, <laughs> but sometimes they need to be asked. They need to have that push of like, you need to think about this. Yeah. Don't say it like that, but like they do need to think about it. And we need to be thinking about that. Like, what is God doing in my life? If we can't answer that question, we need to really take a step back and take time to focus on it because it's important. How is God working in my life and my joys and my struggles and be able yep. to share those with other people. Exactly. And I think you make a good point of just that vulnerability starts with yourself though. Um, yep. It just, it has to start with yourself. No one's going to, it's kind of the idea of like, I remember I was first started Bible studies. They're like, yeah, you, the guys in your study, Michael, they're not going to feel comfortable sharing anything unless you mm-hmm. set the tone. Like you first have to share. It's the same idea of just encountering individuals. They're not going to feel comfortable asking you questions or really discussing these deep, profound ideas unless you first bring them to the table and you first share your own experience with them. Yeah. Or accept the invitation if we don't do that. Like they'll accept, they'll be more likely to accept it if we've given them that example first that yep. we've accepted it. Yeah. And if they say no, it's okay. Don't get frustrated. Um, yep. Don't, get mad at them. It's all in due time. Again, like we said, 10 days versus 10 years doesn't matter. Um, okay. all, it's all just about winning the hearts for Christ. Um, yeah, I think that's a good place to end, John. I think it's good stuff. Good way to wrap it up. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty, everyone. Well, again, we thank you for listening. Um, we'll be praying for you guys. If you guys have any prayer intentions, please reach out and we'll keep them in mind. Um, but yeah, you can reach out to us at thecatchcc at gmail.com with any other questions, concerns, comments, complaints, anything you have, John and I will be more than happy to read them and respond. Um, But yeah, that's all we got for you here from The Catch. So until next time, we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.